Mario Cristobal is hunting down some five-star recruits for the class of 2023. Where do the Hurricanes stand? Let's go. I am your host, Alex Dono, South Florida radio vet, University of Miami pre- and post-game host, University of Miami alum, and man, I'm excited about what's going on in recruiting. Thank you guys for making Locked on Canes your first listen each and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, and so happy to have this man back, our recruiting expert, John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated, also our official recruiting correspondent here on the Locked on Network. John, welcome back. How you been, sir? Good to be back on with you. I've been well, just uh, just tracking and, and laughing and digging into recruiting. It was it was a busy weekend uh, on a lot of fronts, a lot of commitments and a lot of uh, changes of heart, to say the least. Yeah, changes of heart. I mean, sometimes we had one that came full circle, John. So and last week I asked you about Amarius Mims, who was in the transfer portal from Georgia, was asking you about Miami's chances over the weekend. A lot of Florida State people thought he's coming. It's a done deal. And at the end of the day, he ends up taking himself out of the transfer portal and sticking with Georgia. Now, I'm not going to ask you to get inside of his brain, but at the <laughs> same time, John, you cover this stuff so closely. Was him sticking with Georgia, was that completely out of left field, or did you think that might be a possibility? Yeah, you know, FSU and, and Miami situations aside, this seemed like it was a done deal in terms of Amarius was moving on from Georgia. Now, we were told this wasn't a Kirby situation where he's processing a kid, which is happening right now. With other recruits, right, it's it's getting down to that 85 number ahead of the season is hard. We were told Amarius was not one of these casualties of, of being a, the national champs. This was a situation where Amarius was very much in control of moving on from Georgia. He wanted to play tackle. They envisioned him as a swing prospect who could play some guard. That was really the core of the issue. It was a very much an on-field situation. And then, look, the O-line coach uh, had recently retired, too. So it kind of made sense from his perspective. Uh, so in that light, very surprising that he ends up back at Georgia, but certainly there was some, some drama along the way. I was told there was a family situation that pulled him back to his home state as well and kind of just reaffirmed uh, that decision to return to Georgia. Other teammates got involved in trying to bring him back as well. So I think, Alex, it was a really good lesson in, in the, the portal, right? It, it's like it can give it, it can take it away, and it can give right back. I mean, it, it is yeah. truly... A, a fluid vehicle for these prospects to take advantage of. And Amarius took a multi-day visit to, to Florida State in between. So it was it was quite the, the circus, for, for lack of a better term, but he ends up right back where he started. So obviously we can cross that one off the potential list for Miami and, of course, for Florida State as well. But, you know, focusing on, on the U, uh, you know, the, the offensive line, for what it's worth in the spring game, they looked okay, but it's a spring game. I don't know how much I can read into that. Uh, do you think that even after missing on Mims, they could still look to potentially bring in experience reinforcements in the portal? Yeah, you know, there's a handful of offensive linemen that that were on Power 5 rosters last year that are still undecided in the transfer portal. And, and look, there's still another week of spring ball left elsewhere in college football. So it would be naive to think that there won't be another influx of prospects at every position to hit the portal uh, in the next week or two. So I do think like every transition coaching staff is dealing with, you know, Mario Cristobal is going to try to figure out, Hey, can any of these guys help us up front in particular? And I think that was, was kind of ground zero in, in trying to figure out how to rebuild the roster anyway for him at Miami. So I do expect them to at least keep an eye on the transfer portal. And, and like every coaching staff refresh that thing 
every morning uh, because like in Amarius Mims, there could be a bigger name on there than, than most of us uh, anticipate because of the ways that kids jump into the portal. It's not all cut and dry, like, hey, I'm not playing, so now I want to go somewhere where I can play. It's not always that simple, so you have to keep an eye on it every day, uh, especially if you're trying to rebuild from the inside out like, like he wants to. Yeah, and on that note, I know high school recruiting, Mario and Mirabal are going to make offensive line a big-time priority. And, and looking at some of the players that Miami is interested in, I know there's going to be a lot out there that are interested in uh, Peyton Kirkland, who, you know, and I got a little bit excited because he had some very nice to say, nice things to say about <laughs> Miami after a recent visit. He turned his, uh, his Twitter background picture into, into a picture of Miami coaches and players. But then, you know, I, I scroll through the timeline and – everywhere he visits, he seems to fall in love with. Like, it sounds like he had a great visit with Florida recently, Michigan State as well. And I know a lot of people I talk to seem to think Florida might be the lean for him. Uh, what do you think in there? Because this guy looks like he's got all the intangibles and he's gigantic. Yeah, he is gigantic. I mean, he, is, he makes you feel small no matter how big you are. Um, Peyton Kirkland's an important player in the state of Florida. As you mentioned, the Gators have certainly held buzz for him. Like, hey, but look, the last time I saw him, he was fresh off of a Miami visit, rocking a, a Hurricanes button-up, you know, and this was just at a camp in Orlando. He was throwing up the U with his teammates as well. So, you know, he's got legitimate interest in the Hurricanes. And as you mentioned, you know, when, when your head coach is a former offensive lineman and an offensive line guy still, it does bring a, a bit of a different element uh, to your potential at that school. So he's speaking very highly of both Florida and Miami at this point, as you mentioned, Michigan State's in there, Oklahoma's in there. And look, they're, they're looking to make a decision in July. So I think there are more visits ahead. You know, July 23rd is, is his commitment date. He'll take some more visits before he makes that decision. And just because of the proximity to, to Orlando, where he's from, I think he gets down to Miami and up to Florida one more time at least before making that final call. So I do think it could swing either way, but he's a priority recruit for both coaching staffs, of course, each going through a, a rebuild with that kind of SEC trench mentality first. So naturally, the, the biggest, baddest offensive lineman in the state who's from Florida is going to be uh, in that mix. Uh, but Miami's in it for, for several uh, in-state offensive linemen. I don't know if we count like IMGs kids in state yeah, I, I know what you mean because they're from every i'll, I'll count it <laughs> yeah i mean like francis mauiaga like is from american samoa the, the by way yeah. of img academy so you know he's another one that has been to campus multiple times now he's right up i-75 so so naturally he'll be able to get down to campus uh to both again miami and florida but he's much more of a national recruit it's it's alabama it's oregon it's usc many schools in it for him coast to coast so that one's probably a little bit more of a long-standing recruitment as opposed to kirkland where we know july 23rd is, is the planned commitment date at this point speaking of, of getting offensive linemen from far parts of the globe uh, miami landed a yeah. verbal commit last week from Frankie Tinelau from Australia. Now, I'm wondering, how do you approach this as a recruiting analyst? Because this young man, he's been playing in Australia. Now, he's going to come over next year and play a year of ball at Miami LaSalle. So he's going to be, you know, close by the University of Miami. And I, I know Cristobal takes a lot of pride in scouting diamonds in the rough. But, like, how much do you know about this guy? Because I don't think he has even stars and ratings yet. So we're at the, the Under Armour camp uh, down, uh, down near Aventura, right? And, and there's this huge lineman that walks up who's not on the roster. And it turns out to be Frankie. Everyone's like, who, who is this kid? He's a massive offensive lineman, defensive lineman. He's like, I play both. I'll play whatever. Just, just give me a jersey. So he ends up competing at, at the Under Armour camp. And you could just see this physical ability 
yet a a quick-footedness of, with this kid. He's, like, comfortable on his feet, light on his toes, despite being, you know, 325 pounds or so. Uh, so you understand that there's some a lot of potential there. Um, certainly raw, certainly did not look comfortable, you know, getting into a, a stance and pass setting against some of these smaller, quicker pass rushes that we get in the, in the state of Florida. But you could see the potential. And I think that's where you talk about Cristobal having pride in a prospect. It's one thing to land a kid that everybody knows is, is great. It's another thing to develop him into that. And, and certainly, again, as, as an offensive line-minded head coach, that's where you, you both understand where Frankie's coming from and you understand where Cristobal's coming from and, and having the confidence to build uh, out a prospect like that. But I do think it's absolutely critical that he's going to play his senior season down here for at least uh, you know one fall before he gets to Miami because he needs all the reps he can get. I believe he started off as a defensive lineman. So you like the mentality. It certainly you know leads to physicality and, and probably a strength in the run blocking game. But it's 2022. You've got to be able to pass that. You've got to be able to play uh, on third down. So I do think there's development there, but I do think he's got the physical tools to do it. I, I like to hear that. Now, last week, John, we talked about one of the five-star uh, quarterbacks Miami's after for 2023. Let's talk about the other one uh, who's actually even more highly touted, I think, than uh, than Jaden Rashada we talked about last week. But talking about Dante Moore, uh, wh- where are, are folks kind of crystal balling him and expecting he might end up? He's probably the most well-traveled quarterback in this class of 2023, and that's saying a lot, right? We know Arch Manning's been busy on business. Rashada has been all over the place. But Dante Moore, uh, for being a Detroit kid, has visited Miami at, what, three or four times now? He's going back to LSU this weekend. He's been to Notre Dame a ton, Michigan, Ohio State most recently. So he's been all over the country. I I think there's long been a feel of of Notre Dame. I think that was kind of the – the easy-to-pick school Midwestern kid. Notre Dame has been focused on him for multiple cycles, even through their coaching transition. But he keeps getting down south and checking out new schools in the Southern footprint. Uh, and he really likes Miami. He really likes what Mario Cristobal is building. And, and he was a crystal ball target at Oregon earlier in his recruitment. So there's some familiarity there. And, and Dante has spent a lot of time competing down in Florida at seven on sevens and camps and things like that. And he certainly has an understanding uh, of what the, the Florida skill position athlete that uh, can do, you know, the state of Florida native, uh, you know, to help complement his offensive game. He understands what that means. And he's actually growing a bit of a bond with Jalen Brown, you know, the kid from Gulliver, who's, who's arguably the top receiver in Miami, although that position in, in this cycle is loaded in the state of Florida. Um, but obviously Brown, a huge priority for Mario Mario Cristobal in Miami at this point. So as they get closer, that could be an interesting connection because Dante has talked about wanting to pair with a premier receiver when he does make his commitment. So most people, again, point to Notre Dame and Carnell Tate, uh, but Carnell Tate's visiting Tennessee, he's visited LSU. So that race is is becoming a little bit more interesting too. So it's not the shoe-in for Notre Dame that maybe we thought you know, 90 days ago. Uh, but certainly they're still probably the favorite for Dante Moore. But as he takes more visits, things are going to continue to get interesting. And, and he's got no timeline. He's like totally taking his time. So if he takes another trip to Miami, which could be in the works since he hasn't started taking official visits, then all of a sudden it's it's a serious ball game as, as time goes on. It sounds exciting, everything you're saying, and, and I respect what you do because I know a lot of work and a lot of study goes into this. You want to make sure you follow this man and his work. He's John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at John Garcia underscore Jr. John, 
Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. And, and hopefully next time, maybe Miami has pulled some rabbits out of the hat in the portal again. <laughs> Sounds good, my friend. Take care. Coming up next, you will not believe where USA Today has Miami ranked in their preseason ACC projections. You also won't believe how delicious and how healthy Built Bar is. Guys, oh, I have been on the Built Bar bandwagon for months now. You can replace your candy bars with these. They're better tasting and better for you. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow, fluffy, marshmallowy. These aren't just a protein bar, my friends. They are a treat. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. You can taste the difference. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow. That banana cream pie is my personal favorite. They are so good. These are going to become your new favorite, my friends. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 bloating calories. Go to Built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You're going to be blown away. High-protein, low-cal. High-fiber, low-carb. Most Built Bars have just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, just 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. Built Bar has awesome flavors, and they're coming out with new ones all the time, like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious. New flavors are coming out all the time. In fact, if they think a flavor might be good, they're going to make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, and then they figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's always great catching up on the recruiting trail with John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated. He seems enthusiastic about Mario Cristobal's recruiting efforts. I'm obviously bullish about what Cristobal and his staff are doing at the U. Now, uh, you could be bullish on the long-term future, right? This is going to be a long-term project, three, four, five, six years. Uh, now, on, on tomorrow's episode... When we take Twitter interactions, we're going to talk about where you guys expect Miami to finish this coming season in the ACC. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to get probably some, hey, win the Coastal, but maybe lose the ACC championship game. Some of you might say win the ACC title, second place in the Coastal maybe. Will you have Miami higher than sixth in the ACC this coming season? Six out of 14, that is. I found this to be very interesting. So, you know, we, we've got a handful of spring games in the books. A lot of teams around the country and in the conference haven't played their spring games yet. Those will be coming up this Saturday. Most uh, universities will have it wrapped up by then. But um, this is pretty interesting. So according to USA Today, they've got Miami finishing not one, not two, not three, six in the Atlantic Coast Conference this coming season. Here's the order where they have these teams finishing, and then we'll circle back to what they think the Hurricanes are going to do. They've got Clemson bouncing back this year, um, and and I can understand it. If you look at last season, um, that seemed like an aberration. 
DJ Wiyangalele, I think, is probably going to return to something closer to his 2020 form and not his 2021 form. They've got Clemson winning the conference. They've got NC State coming in second. They've got North Carolina, which, of course, Miami will be competing with for a Coastal Division title, finishing third. They got Wake Forest finishing fourth, following up their big season. They've got Pittsburgh finishing fifth, and they've got Miami, and this is a double whammy here, my friends. Not only do they have Miami finishing sixth place in the conference and third place in the Coastal Division, they've got the Hurricanes finishing with a 7-5 and five record on the season, so essentially not improving from a year ago. They write, Mario Cristobal won't reverse Miami's direction from the start, though his focus on recruiting, development, and an embrace of the program's long-dormant swagger seems like the perfect recipe for the Hurricanes. Sophomore quarterback Tyler Van Dyke is the face of the team after a superb rookie year, and rightfully so. But the Hurricanes will contend for the conference championship game only if the pass rush and overall team tackling is far better than in 2021. That's an interesting take. Let me just finish out their top 14 here, then we'll go back to what they said about Miami. Florida State at number 7. Uh, Virginia at 8th place, Louisville at ninth, Syracuse 10th, Virginia Tech 11th. They've got Boston College finishing 12th, and now you get into that cellar. Georgia Tech at 13th, and Duke at 14th. So where do you think Miami rightfully belongs in this pecking order? Um, my expectation, my friends, is... I think Miami is going to win the Coastal Division this year, face Clemson in the ACC Championship game, and probably lose. Uh, and I know a lot of publications have it finishing out something along those lines, although here USA Today clearly does not share in that sentiment. Let's talk about what they consider to be Miami's weaknesses here. They say Miami's going to contend only if the pass rush and overall team tackling is far better than in 2021. The tackling is a big one, and I think that's part of the reason why Miami is looking for more in the transfer portal at linebacker, right? I mean, I can feel pretty good about somebody like Keontre Smith. I like the spring game that Gilbert Frierson had. I think he's going to have a better year this year. I love the coaching that the linebacking unit is getting. Charlie Strong, I think, automatically is going to make that team better with their fundamentals than Manny Diaz and Jonathan Patkey did last year. And the other part of the tackling, and I know you can only improve so much with virtually the same personnel, but when it comes to college athletics, coaching is so important. Not only are the linebackers getting tremendous coaching from Charlie Strong, defensive coordinator Kevin Steele, I, I fell in love with some of the things that he said before and after Miami spring game when he talked about angles, teaching the fundamentals of tackling, Miami was so piss poor in the tackling fundamentals last year. Like it was it was disgusting and it didn't get better throughout the season. These guys didn't know how to take angles. They didn't know how to wrap up save for a couple of different guys who flashed at times. And I do think last year you saw a player who I think is going to be one of the standouts on the entire team this year, James Williams. Like he got better with his tackling throughout the season cuz he started to work on wrapping up players more and not just trying to pinball off of everybody. But I know that that's something that Kevin Steele, Charlie Strong, and company are going to emphasize so much. I'm expecting the tackling to get better. Now, with that said, 
I know the pass rush is still going to be a question mark. We need someone like Jafari Harvey, who had a very good, uh, had some very good showings uh, throughout spring practice. We need him to step up and really take over. I hope he's doing that one-on-one work with Jason Taylor. He can teach him some of the, the tricks of the trade, right? We talked yesterday about how good Cyrus Moss was, the true freshman in the spring game. I don't know if he's got the size yet to be a consistent, dominant guy uh, in the ACC his first year. But uh, over the next five or six months, we'll see how much magic they can do in the weight room to get that true freshman up from. He's listed at 215. I need him to get more like 230, 235, right? Because, you know, he's built more like a tall wide receiver than a tall defensive end. We need these guys to step up. We need the pass rush to look the way that it did a couple of years ago when Jalen Phillips was dominating and uh, and Quincy Roche, the transfer from Temple a couple of years ago, had a nice year. We need to get back to that sort of form because I completely agree. The Achilles heel of Miami last year, the offense was scoring points for fun last year. The defense was not tackling. They were giving up way too many points and the linebackers were leaving way too many open spaces on the field, so that's got to get better. But still, I think a sixth place out of 14 prediction in the ACC is too low. It's up to Miami to prove USA Today wrong. Thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. Now for a big announcement. Starting next Thursday, April 28th, tune in to Locked on NFL Drafts live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team is going to take, catch Odyssey and Locked On NFL's Mock Draft special hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show all week leading up to the first pick. This is going down. Locked On NFL Draft will be on Locked On NFL's YouTube page, Locked On NFL Draft YouTube page, I should say, and the Odyssey NFL Mock Draft on the Odyssey and Locked On NFL's podcast feeds. And guys, the live draft coverage, of course, will be the nights and days of the NFL draft starting April 28th, 7 p.m., April 29th at 6.30 p.m., and April 30th at 11.30 a.m. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Guys, I appreciate Rock Auto for saving me time and saving me money. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is important to me. Uh, my, my vehicle is seven years old. I got a lot of mileage on her. This gets to be a point where I find myself having to buy parts frequently, and Rock Auto makes me not break the bank when I do that. I'll give you an example, guys. A Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, just $216 from Rock Auto. I mean, don't you want to save that kind of money? Rock Auto, it's a family business, my friends, which I appreciate. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps. I have to replace my tail lamps all the time. My batteries. They got motor oil, even new carpeting, guys. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. So very important, guys. Write locked on 
in that how did you hear about us section because you're going to see that on the website. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Today's show has been a lot of fun. Of course, we're going to keep it rolling hot and heavy the rest of the week. It's all about social media tomorrow. We're going to be talking about your questions and comments on Twitter. On Friday, we're going to talk with a former Miami Hurricanes player in keeping up with a cane. But let's get to tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to tweet this as well on the Locked on Canes Twitter account. Make sure you follow us there, by the way, guys. Follow us at Locked on Canes. We will follow you back. Uh, Miami fans especially, but even if you're a fan of a rival team, we will follow you back on Twitter. We're trying to build that community. At Locked on Canes is the hub. Everything you need to know about the show, you can find it at Locked on Canes. And what I want you guys to, uh, to talk about in the tweets for tomorrow's episode is... Where is Miami going to finish in the ACC this coming season? Give me a predicted record as well. Because we were talking about that USA Today projection where they've got Miami going 7-5 and five in 2022 and finishing 6th place out of 14 in the ACC, 3rd in the Coastal, and not playing for an ACC title. That's the USA Today prediction. Do you agree? Where is Miami going to finish in the ACC? If you think they're going to win the Coastal, lose in the ACC championship game, tell me. If you think they're going to be second place in the Coastal, not make it to the title game, let me know. If you think Miami's going to win the ACC championship, let me know. And, you know, if, if you win the ACC championship, just throwing this out there. If you do win the ACC, depending on what your overall record is, you got a pretty good chance of being in that big dance. you got a pretty good chance at that point of being in the college football playoff. Personally, I think that's a little bit too much to expect for year one under Cristobal. But if you guys are that bullish, you let me know at Locked on Canes on Twitter. So stay tuned for our episodes for the rest of the week. We are going to have a lot of fun, my friends. We will talk to you tomorrow. And again, thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen each and every day. Now make your second listen Locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.